Chapter One of the Bronze Hand. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carolyn. The Bronze Hand by Anna Catherine Green. Chapter One: The Fascinating Unknown. Her room was on the ground floor of the house we mutually inhabited, and mine directly above it, so that my opportunities for seeing her were limited to short glimpses of her auburn head as she leaned out of the window to close her shutters at night or open them in the morning. Yet our chance encounter in the hall or on the walk in front had made so deep an impression upon my sensibilities that I was never without the vision of her pale face set off by the aureole of reddish-brown hair, which, since my first meeting with her, had become for me the symbol of everything beautiful, incomprehensible, and strange. For my fellow-lodger was a mystery. I am a busy man now, but just at the time of which I speak I had leisure in abundance. I was sharing with many others the unrest of the perilous days subsequent to the raid of John Brown at Harper's Ferry. Abraham Lincoln had been elected president. Baltimore, where the incidents I am relating transpired, had become the headquarters of men who secretly leagued themselves in antagonism to the North men and women who felt that their northern brethren had grievously wronged them planned to undermine the stability of the government the schemes at this time were gigantic in their conception and far-reaching in their scope and endless ramifications naturally under these conditions a consciousness of ever-present danger haunted every thinking mind the candour of the outspoken was regarded with doubt and the reticence of the more cautious with distrust it was a trying time for sensitive impressionable natures with nothing to do perhaps all this may account for the persistency with which i sat in my open window i was thus sitting one night a memorable one to me when i heard a sharp exclamation from below in a voice i had long listened for any utterance from those lips would have attracted my attention but filled as this was with marked if not extraordinary emotion i could not fail to be roused to a corresponding degree of curiosity and interest thrusting out my head i cast a rapid glance downward a shutter swinging in the wind and the escaping figure of a man hurrying round the corner of the street were all that rewarded my scrutiny though from the stream of light issuing from the casement beneath i perceived that her window like my own was wide open as i continued to watch this light i saw her thrust out her head with an eagerness indicative of great excitement peering to right and left she murmured some suppressed words mixed with gasps of such strong feeling that i involuntarily called out excuse me madam have you been frightened in any way by the man i saw running away from here a moment ago she gave a great start and glanced up i see her face yet beautiful wonderful so beautiful and so wonderful i have never been able to forget it meeting my eye she faltered out did you see a man running away from here oh sir if i might have a word with you 
i came near leaping directly to the pavement in my ardour and anxiety to oblige her but remembering before it was too late that she was neither a juliet nor i a romeo i merely answered that i would be with her in a moment and betook myself below by the less direct but safer means of the staircase it was a short one and i was but a moment in descending but that moment was long enough for my heart to acquire a most uncomfortable throb and it was with anything but an air of quiet self-possession that i approached the threshold i had never before dared to cross even in fancy the door was open and i caught one glimpse of her figure before she was aware of my presence she was contemplating her right hand with a look of terror which added to her striking personality made her seem at the instant a creature of alarming characteristics fully as capable of awakening awe as devotion i may have given some token of the agitation her appearance awakened for she turned towards me with sudden vehemence oh she cried with a welcoming gesture you are the gentleman from upstairs who saw a man running away from here a moment ago would you know that man if you saw him again i am afraid not i replied he was only a flying figure in my eyes oh she moaned bringing her hands together in dismay but immediately straightening herself she met my regard with one as direct as my own i need a friend she said and i am surrounded by strangers i made a move towards her i did not feel myself a stranger but how was i to make her realize the fact if there is anything i can do i suggested her steady regard became searching i have noticed you before to-night she declared with a directness devoid of every vestige of coquetry you seem to have qualities that may be trusted but the man capable of helping me needs the strongest motives that influence humanity courage devotion discretion and a total forgetfulness of self such qualifications cannot be looked for in a stranger as if with these words she dismissed me from her thoughts she turned her back upon me then as if recollecting the courtesy due even to strangers she cast me an apologetic glance over her shoulder and hurriedly added i am bewildered by my loss leave me to the torment of my thoughts you can do nothing for me had there been the least evidence of falsity in her tone or the slightest striving after effect in her look or bearing i would have taken her at her word and left her then and there but the candour of the woman and the reality of her emotion were not to be questioned and moved by an impulse as irresistible as it was foolhardy i cried with the impetuosity of my twenty-one years i am ready to risk my life for you why i do not know and do not care to ask i only know you could have found no other man so willing to do your bidding his smile in which surprise was tempered by a feeling almost tender crossed her lips and immediately vanished she shook her head as if in deprecation of the passion my words evinced and was about to dismiss me when she suddenly changed her mind and seized upon the aid i had offered with a fervour that roused my sense of chivalry and deepened what might have been but a passing fancy into an active and all-engrossing passion i can read faces said she and i have read yours you will do for me what i cannot do for myself but 
have you a mother living i answered no that i was very nearly without relatives or ties i am glad she said half to herself then with a last searching look have you not even a sweetheart i must have reddened painfully for she drew back with a hesitating and troubled air but the vigorous protest i hastened to make seemed to reassure her for the next word she uttered was one of confidence i have lost a ring she spoke in a low but hurried tone it was snatched from my finger as i reached out my hand to close my shutters some one must have been lying in wait some one who knows my habits and the hour at which i close my window for the night the loss i have sustained is greater than you can conceive it means more much more than it appears to the man who will bring me back that ring direct from the hand that stole it i would devote the gratitude of a lifetime are you willing to make the endeavour it is a task i cannot give to the police this request so different from any i had expected checked my enthusiasm in proportion as it awoke a senseless jealousy yet it seems directly in their line i suggested seeing nothing but humiliation before me if i attempted the recovery of a simple love-token i know what it must seem to you she admitted reading my thoughts and answering them with skilful indirectness but what policeman would undertake a difficult and minute search for an article whose intrinsic value would not reach five dollars then it is only a memento i stammered with very evident feeling only a memento she repeated but not of love worthless as it is in itself it would buy everything i possess and almost my soul to-night i can explain no further will you attempt its recovery restored to myself by her frank admission that it was no lover's keepsake i was urged to recapture and return i allowed the powerful individuality of this woman to have its full effect on me taking in with one glance her beauty the impassioned fervour of her nature and the subtle charm of a spirit she now allowed to work its full spell upon me i threw every practical consideration to the winds and impetuously replied i will endeavour to regain this ring for you tell me where to go and whom to attack and if human wit and strength can compass it you shall have the jewel back before morning oh she protested i see that you anticipate a task of small difficulty you cannot recover this particular ring so easily as that in the first place i do not in the least know who took it i only saw its destination alas if it is allowed to reach that destination i am bereft of hope no love token i murmured and yet your whole peace depends on its recovery more than my peace she answered and with a quick movement she closed the door which i had left open behind me as its sharp bang rang through the room i realized into what pitfall i had stumbled only a political intrigue of the most desperate character could account for the words i had heard and the actions to which i had been a witness but i was in no mood to recoil even from such dangers as these and so my look showed her as she leaned toward me with the words listen i am burdened with this secret i am in this house in this city for a purpose 
the secret is not my own and i cannot part with it neither is my purpose communicable you therefore will be obliged to deal with the greatest dangers blindfold one encouragement only i can give you you will work for good ends you are pitted against wrong not right and if you succumb it will be in a cause you yourself would call noble do i make myself understood mr mr abbott i put in with a bow she took the bow for an affirmative as indeed i meant she should you do not recoil she murmured not even when i say that you must take no third party into your confidence no matter to what extremity you are brought i would not be the man i think i am if i recoiled i said smiling she waved her hand with almost a stern air swear she commanded swear that from the moment you leave this door till you return to it you will breathe no word concerning me your errand or even the oath i am now exacting from you ah thought i to myself this is serious but i took the oath under the spell of the most forceful personality i had ever met and did not regret it then now let us waste no more time said she in the large building on blank street there is an office with the name of dr merriam on the door see i have written it on this card so that there may be no mistake about it that office is open to patients from ten in the morning until twelve at noon during these hours any one can enter there but to awaken no distrust he should have some ailment have you not some slight disorder concerning which you might consult a physician i doubt it said i but i might manufacture one that would not do with dr merriam he is a skilful man he would see through any imposture i have a sick friend i ruminated and by the way his case is obscure and curious i could interest any doctor in it in five minutes that is good consult him in regard to your friend meantime while you are waiting for the interview i mean take notice of a large box you will find placed on a side-table do not seem to fix your attention on it but never let it be really out of your sight from the moment the door is unlocked at ten till you are forced by the doctor's importunity to leave the room at twelve if you are alone there for one minute and you will be allowed to remain there alone if you show no haste to consult the doctor unlock that box here's the key and look carefully inside no one will interfere and no one will criticize you there is more than one person who has access to that box but i put in you will discover there she whispered a hand of bronze lying on an enameled cushion on the fingers of this hand there should be and doubtless are rings of forged steel of peculiar workmanship if there is one on the middle finger my course is lost and i can only await the end her cheek paled but if there is not you may be sure that an attempt will be made by some one to-morrow i do not know whom to put one there before the office closes at noon the ring will be mine the one stolen from my hand just now and it will be your business to prevent the box being opened for this purpose by any means short of public interference involving arrest and investigation for this too would be fatal the delay of a day may be of incalculable service to me 
it would give me time to think if not to act does the undertaking seem a hopeless one am i asking too much of your inexperience it does not seem a hopeful one i admitted but i am willing to undertake the adventure what are its dangers and why if i see the ring on the finger you speak of cannot i take it off and bring it back to you because said she answering the last question first the ring becomes a part of the mechanism in the moment it is thrust over the last joint you could not draw it off as for the dangers i allude to they are of a hidden character and part of the secret i mentioned if however you exercise your wit your courage and a proper amount of strategy you may escape interference must be proved against you that rule at least has been held inviolate aghast at the mysterious perils she thus indicated in the path toward which she was urging me i for one instant felt an impulse to retreat but adventure of any kind has its allurements for an unoccupied youth of twenty-one and when seasoned as this was by a romantic if unreasonable passion proved altogether too irresistible for me to give it up laughing outright in my endeavour to throw off the surplus of my excitement i drew myself up and uttered some fiery phrase of courage which i doubt if she even heard then i said some word about the doctor which she at once caught up the doctor said she may know and may not know the mysteries of that box i would advise you to treat him solely as a doctor he who uses the key you now hold in your hand cannot be too wary by which i mean too careful or too silent oh that i dared to go there myself but my agitation would betray me besides my person is known or this ring would never have been taken from me i will be your deputy i assured her have you any further instructions no said she instructions are useless in an affair of this kind your actions must be determined by the exigencies of the moment meantime my every thought will be yours good-night sir pray god it may not be good-bye one moment i said as i arose to go have you any objection to telling me your name i am miss kellen she said with a graceful bow this was the beginning of my formidable adventure with the bronze hand End of chapter 1